When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast. My name is Austin Williams, one of the editors of Surgery Morning Report, Beyond the Pearls, and your host for today. I'm a Breast Surgical Oncology Fellow at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. I completed my general surgery residency at Lankanon Medical Center and a postdoctoral research fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania. And now for today's case. We're going to consider a 44-year-old female who presents with a complaint of right upper quadrant pain. Her past medical history is significant for obesity alone. She describes the pain as sharp, located in the right upper quadrant, and it occurs typically after eating. She has noticed this intermittently for approximately six months. Fatty foods seem to trigger the pain. The episodes occur two to three times per week and last for 30 minutes and then subside. The attacks are associated with nausea, but no vomiting. The pain is not associated with movement, and she has not found anything that relieves the pain. She denies any recent weight loss, changes to her diet, acid reflux or regurgitation, epigastric pain, change in her bowel habits, hematochesia, or melena. She recalls her mother having similar symptoms in the past. On physical examination, the patient's temperature is 98.6, blood pressure is 130 over 85, her pulse is 87, respiratory rate 16, and an oxygen saturation of 98% on room air. She appears comfortable and no acute distress. She has normal heart and lung sounds. Her abdomen is obese without any tenderness, rebound, or guarding. And she has no hepatosplenomegaly or peripheral edema. So what's the differential diagnosis for a patient who presents with right upper quadrant pain? Well, in fact, the differential diagnosis is quite broad. A thorough history and physical exam can, however, eliminate many disease processes from the differential. The differential includes disease processes of the liver, such as hepatitis and hepatomegaly, the biliary system, such as uncomplicated biliary disease, sphincter of OD dysfunction, cholecystitis, cholecystitis, or cholangitis, problems with the stomach, such as acid reflux and peptic ulcer disease, those of the pancreas, including pancreatitis, of the duodenum, such as a perforated ulcer, or the small intestine, such as obstruction. It can potentially also include the urinary system, such as ureteral stones or pyelonephritis. The patient in this case has symptoms of episodic colicky right upper quadrant pain after ingestion of fatty foods, and it resolves with time. This is classic of biliary colic. Her benign physical examination and notable risk factors such as female sex, obesity, fertility, and family history are all convincing. 
Patients with biliary colic do not always present with such classic symptoms. Atypical symptoms include chest pain, regurgitation, nonspecific abdominal pain, bloating, and early society. For those patients, a thorough workup is necessary to avoid missing another cause of their pain. So what is the workup for a patient such as the one in this case? A healthy patient who presents with symptoms typical of biliary colic should undergo thorough physical examination, an abdominal ultrasound, and laboratory studies which should include complete blood count, hepatic panel, and lipase. If the patient presents with atypical symptoms, for example chest pain, a more thorough workup focusing on these symptoms is required. So let's return to our case. The patient undergoes an abdominal ultrasound which reveals multiple stones in the gallbladder. There is no gallbladder wall thickening or stranding to suggest cholecystitis. The liver appears normal. The common bile duct is of normal diameter. Her complete blood count, hepatic panel, and lipase are also all normal. The patient is told that she has uncomplicated biliary disease and is scheduled for elective laparoscopic cholecystectomy. She is instructed to avoid fatty foods until her surgery for symptomatic management. So what is uncomplicated gallbladder disease and how is it treated? As we know, the main functions of the gallbladder are to store and concentrate bile. After ingestion of food, cholecystokinin or CCK is released, triggering the gallbladder to contract and force bile through the cystic duct. Stasis of concentrated bile in the gallbladder can lead to precipitation, which leads to sludge or gallstones. If a gallstone or sludge obstructs the cystic duct, which is the outlet of the gallbladder, during gallbladder contraction, a patient will experience pain from the increased pressure in the gallbladder. When the gallbladder relaxes, the obstruction often resolves and the pain subsides. Though the prevalence of gallstones is relatively high in the United States, most patients will never develop symptoms. Biliary colic is the name given to the syndrome of intermittent pain related to gallstones in the absence of inflammation in the gallbladder wall. When gallstones are symptomatic, the recommended treatment is elective laparoscopic cholecystectomy to prevent further attacks and to avoid the complications of biliary disease. Avoidance of fatty foods may minimize the frequency of biliary colic, but should be considered a temporizing measure until cholecystectomy. What are the potential complications of gallbladder disease? Acute cholecystitis, which is a known complication of gallbladder disease, is the most common. It is generally due to a gallstone blocking the outlet of the gallbladder or the cystic duct, leading to inflammation of the gallbladder wall. The inflammatory process can progress to frank bacterial infection within the gallbladder, and at times to necrosis of the gallbladder. Acute cholecystitis is generally characterized by pain, fever, and tenderness in the right upper quadrant. Ultrasound findings include gallbladder wall thickening, pericholecystic fluid, and a sonographic Murphy's sign, which is the same clinical response to the ultrasound transducer as was elicited by an examiner's hand when palpating the right upper quadrant. Leukocytosis is usually noted, and liver function tests are most often within normal limits. Another complication is cholecystitis, which is the presence of gallstones in the common bile duct. Common bile duct stones may lead to biliary obstruction, gallstone pancreatitis, or cholangitis. Patients may present with symptoms of biliary colic or with mild icterus. A completely obstructing stone will lead to progressive jaundice, tea-colored urine, and clay-colored stools. 
Laboratory findings include abnormal LFTs with an obstructive pattern, which includes an elevated bilirubin, alkaline phosphatase, and gamma-glutamyl transferase, or GGT. Aminotransferases may be mildly elevated. An abdominal ultrasound will usually demonstrate a dilated common bile duct, but the stones themselves are often difficult to detect by an ultrasound. A magnetic resonance cholangiopancreatography, or MRCP, can confirm the diagnosis. Endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, or ERCP, allows for imaging as well as stone extraction, and thus can be both diagnostic and therapeutic. Cholangitis occurs when patients develop a biliary tract bacterial infection, secondary to a common bile duct obstruction. Patients with cholangitis classically present with fever, jaundice, and right upper quadrant pain. Patients can quickly develop hypotension, confusion, septic shock, and multi-organ systemic failure. Laboratory workup will again display an obstructive pattern as well as significant leukocytosis. Patients must receive prompt IV fluid resuscitation, empiric antibiotic coverage, and urgent biliary drainage. ERCP with sphincterotomy is the procedure of choice. If ERCP cannot be performed, percutaneous transhepatic cholangiography or PTC with a drain should be considered. If endoscopic and percutaneous techniques cannot be performed or are unsuccessful, surgical common bile duct exploration should be performed along with cholecystectomy. After the common bile duct has been decompressed via ERCP or PTC, most patients should ultimately undergo cholecystectomy. Back to our case. A few weeks after her initial presentation, before she has had a cholecystectomy, the patient develops severe prolonged right upper quadrant pain with associated nausea and vomiting. Unlike her previous episodes, the pain does not relent and she develops a fever. She presents to the emergency department for evaluation. On physical examination, her temperature is 99.3, blood pressure is 125 over 75, pulse is 110, respiratory rate is 16, and oxygen saturation is 97% on room air. She is diaphoretic and appears uncomfortable. Her abdominal examination is notable for tenderness in the right upper quadrant pain. The gallbladder is palpable, and she has a positive Murphy's sign. She undergoes repeat gallbladder ultrasound that reveals pericholecystic fluid, gallbladder wall thickening, and a sonographic Murphy's sign. Her labs are notable for a leukocyte count of 13,000 with normal hepatic panel and lipase. She is diagnosed with acute cholecystitis and is started on IV antibiotics. Surgery is consulted for urgent cholecystectomy. So what is the treatment in terms of surgery for gallbladder disease? Cholecystectomy is the main surgical treatment. Patients who have biliary colic can be scheduled for elective cholecystectomy, whereas those diagnosed with cholecystitis should be admitted to the hospital for urgent cholecystectomy. Patients with cholecystectomy can undergo cholecystectomy either after stone removal via ERCP or concurrent with intraoperative cholangiogram to identify filling defects in the biliary tree and common bile duct exploration to remove the stones. If the common bile duct stones are detected at the time of cholecystectomy and intraoperative cholangiography, a common bile duct exploration can be performed or the patient can be referred for postoperative ERCP for stone removal. Patients with cholangitis and those who are medically unfit for urgent surgery should be managed medically with planned interval cholecystectomy. The treatment of cholecystectomy is removal of the common bile duct gallstones 
and subsequent cholecystectomy to prevent further episodes. Laparoscopic cholecystectomy, rather than an open approach, is the recommended method for gallbladder removal, given its minimally invasive approach and relatively quick postoperative recovery. If the relevant anatomy cannot be identified laparoscopically, conversion to open may be indicated. The possibility of conversion to open should always be discussed preoperatively with the patient. As with any surgery, there are complications associated with cholecystectomy. The most devastating complication of gallbladder surgery is injury to the common bile duct. Proper exposure of the critical view of safety is imperative to minimize the risk of complications. If a common bile duct injury occurs, these patients are best treated at a referral center with a hepatobiliary surgeon for management and repair of the injury. Additional complications include pancreatitis, bile leak from either the liver bed or improper clip placement, bleeding, persistent pain, and accidental injury to the bowel. Patients may experience loose stool and pain as part of post-cholecystectomy syndrome that may be due to sphincter of OD dysfunction, post-surgical adhesions, or bile acid diarrhea related to the lack of storage of bile. Although rare, long-term medical therapy with bile acid sequestrants or dietary modification with the avoidance of large fatty meals may be necessary. Let's return to our case for the final time. Based on the patient's preoperative evaluation, there is no concern for cholecystectomy. She undergoes an uncomplicated laparoscopic cholecystectomy, her diet is advanced, and her pain is well-controlled postoperatively. She is discharged home on postoperative day one. At her postoperative visit two weeks later, her incisions are well healed, and she is tolerating a regular diet without issue. Now for some pearls. The presence of gallstones is common in the U.S. population. However, only patients with symptomatic gallstones need to be treated. Abdominal ultrasound is the diagnostic study of choice for evaluation of the gallbladder. Patients who present with acute cholecystitis should undergo cholecystectomy early during their hospital stay. Cholangitis can be a life-threatening emergency. Therefore, patients should be started on antibiotics immediately with a plan for urgent biliary drainage. When performing a laparoscopic cholecystectomy, it is imperative to identify the critical view of safety to prevent bile duct injury. If a bile duct injury occurs, patients should be stabilized and treated at a referral center. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.